What up, y'all? Alec here again. Uh, just got done recording the pod with Ian Imhoff, and I think you all are really going to enjoy that one. We, we go over NFL over-unders, recap of 2020. We examine our pod from last year and how we did on our predictions, and then look into 2021 and who we like, who we don't. Uh, really solid pod. Really excited for, for you all to listen to it. Before we get into that, as promised, we will be discussing tight ends and wide receivers and my strategy to those, both the micro and macro levels. So let's get into it. There's no reason to really debate. So we'll start with tight ends. I Tight ends are going to be really interesting this year. So the first year I won, I had Kittle. The next year I won, I had Kittle again. And then the third year I had Kelsey. So I've really felt that a kind of crucial component to having a strong fantasy team is having an elite tight end. And there's a few reasons why I've thought that. And I really think that first and foremost, there's just no other position that offers... I mean, can anyone think of picking up a tight end in the waiver wire that ends up really being a league winner or not even a league winner let's just just say a a startable player week to week after you pick them up on the waiver it's really hard to get a hold of those guys i really can't think of a single example and it really is the only position like that it quarterback wide receiver and running back you can get lucky on the waiver wire in tight end it just doesn't happen that often for whatever reason i'm sure there's smarter football minds that could have good reasoning to why that's the case but all i know is the outcome in tight ends it's you, what you see is what you get and as a result it makes drafting them a far safer proposition you know i think that i've never been a fan of Ertz, but Waller, Kelsey, Kittle have been pretty solid, and, and I think they'll continue to be solid. You know, and and drafting a tight end early, I think, feels a lot for those who play Catan. It's like kind of buying a D card. It's like, ah, oh man, it sucks that like you're giving up resources and you can't use whatever this is right when you get it, and you have a little bit of delayed gratification. But when you consider that you can't pick them up on the waiver wire, and then reciprocally, it's also why would you not want to just lock in 8 to 12 points of an advantage every week? You know, that's how I felt when I had Kelsey, and I think Waller's in a similar position as well, where it's like, look, I can, if someone's like, hey, I can spot you 8 points week in, week out, isn't that kind of an advantage? I mean, I I just, I really like that idea about having an elite tight end, which is why I've been willing to pay up at a higher price than typically... And the other thing that's super nice about having an elite tight end is that it gives you what I call like a pull in case of emergency option. So let's say your team, let's say you just miss, right? Like you, you miss on your wide receivers, you miss on your running backs, and you just don't have a lot of strong players, right? You can pretty much guarantee that if you have an elite tight end, you can go to one of the top two teams, top two to three teams in the league. You know one of those guys is not going to have an elite wide receiver, elite tight end, and you're going to be able to, to pull off like a, he's most likely that person will have a solid RB one or RB two type and a solid wide receiver two or wide receiver one type, and you can pull off one of those like I'll give you a quarter. You give me three dimes and we'll go about our day. And the league's gonna be pissed at you because you just gave, you just upgraded the best team's player. But at the same time, you're in it for yourself. And like you know that you're, right now, like if you you get 15 points from your tight end there, but you can get guys who are routinely getting you like you know 
14 to 15 points in positions you're otherwise not capitalizing on. So I think that that's another... I haven't had to pull on that option yet, but that's why I really like drafting elite tight ends, and I always feel like regardless of what their ADP is, I'm always willing to go at least six six spots higher. So if like let's say if someone's ADP is 2.12, I'm always willing to reach at 2.6 at a minimum and maybe even a full round earlier because I think that those things aren't totally baked in to their uh, price. So um, that's kind of like my macro level view. Now, going into the players I like this year, obviously Kelsey, I, you know, honestly, in my mind, I, I think after, I, I've said this on the pod with Ian, I think after McCaffrey, I, you know, I think probably Kelsey at two is a little high, but, you know, anywhere between four to eight, four to, I, I think it's taking Kelsey at four is t- a totally respectable play. I think if I had to rank the top running backs, I would go McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, are kind of my two safe guys. Dalvin and Zeke are kind of my next tier, and I'm like, Eesh. but honestly, if if you didn't feel good, let's say like you McCaffrey and Henry go, someone takes Dalvin, and you like Dalvin a lot more than you like Zeke. I think taking Kelsey at four is totally reasonable. So, you know, I I think obviously Kelsey's a no brainer. He's elite. He's got the best quarterback in the league with the best head coach, and he loves throwing him the ball. Having him on your team is such a delight. And it's just, I think it's wherever you take Kelsey, I don't think you can really take him too early if you take him any time after the third pick. So love Kelsey. I Going on to it, again, I think, again, I, I really think that there's only three tight ends that really tickle me this year. It's, it's Kelsey, it's Waller, and it's Pitts. I think that any of those guys, I think Waller right now, it looks like he's getting picked up in the early third. I don't think... I'm, I'm, and I don't think that I'm going to ultimately, but there's a part of me that's considering taking Waller in at the second with my second pick. I don't feel as good as I did about Kelsey. I mean, you know, you're you're on the David Derek Carr train, which is like it's a tough train to be on. I'm not a big John Gruden fan either, so you put those two, it really lowers Waller's stock. So I don't think I'm going to take him in, with that second pick. But I think it, you know if you pick him in the middle of second, I think it's great. You know. For all the reasons I outlined, but I think the the guy that will be the real game changer and a guy that I'm super high on and a guy that I will be taking at the end of the third if he's still available is Pitts. So I know Pitts right now it looks like he's he's going at the end of the fourth. For me, it's a no brainer to take Pitts at the end of the third, and I'll just outline the reason. You know, there's a track record of tight ends not doing well. Rookie tight ends, totally fair. I think I think the best rookie tight end season is actually Jeremy Shockey, which is kind of hilarious. But uh, he's the best rookie tight end fantasy performance on record at this point, and even that, I think he was like tight end five. So it's not like he put in a, a stellar performance. But so I, I totally understand that history. Here was my counter: you have Arthur Smith, who was the head coach in Tennessee, who is just a great coordinator. Everything I've read about him, the Titans of offense has been electric the past few years. Everything I read about him said he's one of the smarter minds in the league. I like having an elite coordinator. They have Calvin Ridley. They have Matt Ryan. They have a strong ecosystem. They were, I think they were better than they let on last year. They had a historically bad losses. I don't think that's going to happen again. I think they have a great coach who's going to optimize his players in a strong fashion. And and I think Pitts is going to do well. And I am and I think if, if Pitts gets to me at, th- at the end of the third, I'm taking him. And 
I think that it'll be really interesting to see how... The other thing, too, about Pitts, and this is less logical analysis and just far more... Do you want to take... Like, wouldn't it be fun? You can't overstate the value of having a player who... Like, like when Gertz had Lamar. It's like, that's just fun. It's just fun to have the player that everyone is talking about, that has the ESPN packages of, like, oh, my gosh, can you believe Lamar did this? Like, Pitts, like, dunked it on some dude's head in the end zone. Like, it just pits everything I've read. He seems to be a truly transcendent talent that only comes around every so often, every five, ten years. I mean, we had scouts saying that they've never seen a more NFL-ready prospect. And this is the best, like, surefire prospect in the league, and he's coming into a really good system. And I, I really think that at 410, he's even being undervalued. And, and I really think he has the potential to be the tight end one. I, I don't think there's another tight end that has a better chance to be a tight end one other than Kelsey. So Kyle is obvious. And then if you had to pick another one, to me, it's a no-brainer. It's Pitts. I think he's a far better opportunity than Waller and Kittle. I would put Kittle below. So if I had to rank them, I'd go Kelsey, Wall, Kelsey Pitts, Waller, Kittle. Um, and that's your top tier. I Kittle just scares me a little bit. I think he kind of has the Gronkowski thing where he gets injured quite a bit. He just plays so recklessly that he can't not get injured. And then on top of it, it's like there's a lot of mouths to feed. Shanahan likes to run the ball more. Kittle's an excellent blocker. I don't love the value of Kittle, and he's kind of a hard stay away from me. So personally, if I, if I can't get a hold of Waller, Kelsey and Pitts, I'm taking a break. I'm just taking a beat, and then I'm just going to have to fucking throw a dartboard between Hawkinson, Noah Font, Higby, I mean, whatever. Those guys are whatever you feel is your fancy. None of them really speak to me. I don't think it's worth really getting excited about any of them. Honestly, it's just going to be a – like, those guys are all dart throws. Take the dart throw that likes you best. I, I don't feel confident on any of those guys enough to, like, really want to prioritize them. So, uh, Godspeed on any of those guys if you don't get those top three. Um, moving on to wide receivers. So, wide receivers, not a ton of, like – difficult analysis here with wide receiver the only thing i would say is that i think wide receiver i so i've always so i drafted at the back half of the first round for a while and as a result i don't believe in taking the second tier of running backs the joe mixins the kenyan drakes the nick chubbs and not that those guys aren't good players and sometimes you get lucky for me it's a lot like why would i take the second tier of something when I can get the first tier of another thing for me. So that's why I typically just lean towards wide receiver. I, I think since I've been drafted, I don't think I've ever actually taken a running back in the past three uh, three drafts in, in with one of those picks. Um, and I've been able to find, like I got Aaron Jones in, in rounds three and four. I got Kareem Hunt. I got Jonathan Taylor. I just feel confident in my abilities to pick running backs in those middle rounds that'll have value and i just i just do and also too like there's usually just some yeah and we'll get into my running back analysis on the next pod but there's usually just some yellow to red flags on those running backs that you're taking through you know picks 12 through 24 that i don't understand why you take a reach on them you know i'd rather get elite tight ends or running back or wide receivers and kind of just not have to roll the dice on someone who I think is a like I think when you're looking at like picks 12 through 24 and then 36 through 48 it's 
I just think the marginal difference between those te- those tiers are pretty small. So it's like I'd rather just take the surefire wide receiver and, and take a, a slightly less percentage chance of being successful on running back. Additionally, the, as everyone knows, the game's getting a lot. The NFL is in the business of manufacturing more points. No one, I mean, people damn near revolted when the Patriots played the Rams and it was like thirteen to nine. Everyone was like, "Is this the worst Super Bowl? Who enjoys watching this?" The NFL hears all that stuff. They know that it's a better product if you have games that go thirty-eight, thirty-three, forty-two, forty-five, those sorts of scores. So. I think, and as a result, like the best way to manufacture points is just to make playing defense harder, and thus, really, mainly making pass defense harder. So, I, I think that, you know, I think that wide receivers are becoming safer and safer as picks because it's harder and harder to be a really good pass, really good pass defense. And as a result, like your guys, like your Stephon Diggs, your Devonte Adams, your Tyreek Hills, all these guys, I just think they're safer bets. And what's really nice about wide receivers. Is they just their probability of getting hurt is far less than running backs for obvious reasons, and I think you want to think about building your team as anti fragile as possible. You know, that's the one thing where it's like you can't totally control injuries, but also if you go really big on running backs, they're just more likely to get injured. So you are making your team more fragile when you do those sorts of things, and that's why I'm just I really don't like taking running backs, and that's why I'd rather just load up. And it's kind of a lot like the process with the 76ers where it's like, listen, you're drafting a 19-year-old. That's a lottery ticket in and of itself, so let's just take a lot of lottery tickets. That's how I feel with running backs. Like, I think that I'd rather just have a quantity of guys I feel good about. You know, I'd play six and two hit and be really short up on, on wide receiver and tight end than, you know, take wide receiver super high, think that I'm good, take some flyers then on wide receivers guess what those guys suck now my top two running backs got injured now i'm shit out of luck you know so that's my thing with wide receivers on the macro level on the micro level i gotta be honest there's not a lot of wide receivers that really speak to me um this year and i'm not just trying to like i i I think there's a good chance i end up with calvin ridley on my team uh for the same reason i like Pitts. you know i think that like again i'm really big on arthur smith i think he's a really good coordinator and Julio Jones left, and so I want Ridley or Pitts. I think one of those. I think both of them are gonna have good years, but I think I just want to be a part of that Falcons offense. So I do like Ridley a lot. As far as your next wide receivers for me, there there's not a lot that I really like. You know, I there's maybe a case like I I think Keenan Allen's not a bad look with Herbert, um, but for the most part, there's just not a lot of guys that I'm you know, that I, I think that I'm, I'm really into. I think that, that there's a case to be made for DJ Moore. I think he's a little undervalued where he's going right now. But again, like, I think that w- there's no real value I'm seeing at wide receiver right now. I'm going to, like, again, I haven't totally dove in yet, but as I've been doing the ADP and guys that I like versus guys that I don't, there haven't been a lot of obvious, like, ooh, I, I really like that guy. So I think that, it, with that being said, I think you're, you're really in the place where it's like, just take the guys that are presented to you, um, and I would just be, be more willing to take those guys. The only wide receiver that I actually, a little bit later round look, is Deontay Johnson out of the Steelers. Um, he's the one that I'm kind of eyeing in, is in the later rounds. I know he led the NFL in drops, but I also think that that means he's getting open a lot. And so I... 
and and honestly too if you the other kind of misnomer about like nfl uh dropped passes leaders is oftentimes like these are guys who are already like it's kind of like a dirty little secret that they're already the people who are getting a lot of looks anyway so like here for example here are the top dropped pass leaders for 2020 so obviously like i said deontay johnson leaded it and then jerry judy was second guess who was third tyree kill he had 11 you know guess who was next alvin kamara at 10 uh guess so my thing is that like and then you had a bunch of people you have metcalf and cd lamb were, were tied so it's like these are guys who you know, like, again, it's not great that Deontay Johnson had 16, but, like, Tyree Kill, Kamara, and DK Metcalf were in the top five. So it's, like, it's not necessarily a – like, it's it's not great. Like, you want him to dropping less passes than more, but it also means that he's open, you know. And I – so I'm willing to give him a pass on those sorts of things, and I, I think that the Steelers are – like, I, I just like having Steelers players on my team. So uh, that's wide receivers. Like I said, not too much that it's just really speaking to me now – um the next pod i will be going over running back so that'll be kind of a longer one and then i will do one more of just kind of like high level what i'm calling just like infrastructure analysis so coaches coordinators people that i like and how you incorporate that into your analysis so that'll be the fourth and final like little tidbits pod but uh, i hope you guys find this useful again i'll be uh time stamping this so if you don't want to hear this you don't have to so Thanks to everyone. Y'all have great weeks, and we'll uh, see you in 32 days. Take it easy. And welcome back, folks, to Season 5, Episode 2, which is becoming uh, another traditional pod. Ian and I doing our classic over-unders, just kind of our high-level analysis uh another one i just i love these opening pods i just get you know hairs on my arms stand up here ian and i'm really excited to be doing this with you man how you doing good good doing great calling in you're you're now on the west coast so our, our time zones actually line up for once uh so that that's pretty unique uh first time for that but i i completely agree i think Every time I, I, I listen back to our other pod, which we'll get into, but I just I listen back even to pods before, and you can just hear the excitement in your voice, uh, which I'll always get into. But yeah, I mean, people know what to expect here. Uh, you know, I'm excited to talk about like the upcoming NFL season uh, and some of kind of the over unders we're looking at, and you know, maybe even reflect a bit on last year. I think that'll be fun this time around, uh, just to talk through some stuff um, and honestly just catch up. I feel like. Uh, our entire league, not only do we take a break from fantasy football, <laughs> but communication between our group kind of flows too. And then I feel like I know everybody's lives during fantasy football. I know what's going on because we're all talking to each other. And then we just take a nice six-month hiatus. So I'm excited <laughs> to get back in the group. Uh, I said it on the last pod, and I'll say it again. I think that um, in my little rant here that I'm ready to get unhealthy again. I'm ready to start reading stuff at an unhealthy amount. I'm ready to start listening to the podcast when I go to bed, wake up. I'm ready to get the waiver wire. I'm ready to then make your start sit, then watch and yell at your team, <laughs> then go free agency again and do this vicious cycle over and over and over again. And that's what I'm here for. That's what I sign up for every year. Um, and, and I'm really excited. I think the, the, the friendship, the banter along the way just makes it all that much better. Um, and so, you know,
you know, I'm, I'm here to be the 2021-2022 champion, uh, and I'm excited to kind of talk about how that's going to happen. You're so right. It, my girlfriend, she just gets a kick out of, she's like, so, because, you know, I feel like girls are just way better at just, like, giving each other calls, a text, like, hey, what's going on? And, like, she's just always completely stunned. It's like, when was the last time you even talked to Ian? I was like, I don't know five months and she's like isn't he one of your best friends like i don't know this is just how it works like i, I can't yeah <laughs> this is just how it works i don't i don't know what to tell you babe we're all on the same page jill said the same thing i'm not even kidding it's actually kind of funny you say that yeah it's just you know we, we're a little you know guys are just a little different that way but um yeah guys like, being dudes. <laughs> amen amen but yeah really excited uh to get into this pod and yeah i mean i it's masochistic man like i'm ready for the pain like i just i want it i'm ready for it like you know i don't know how i'll be feeling in week six but right now it's like i i just feel like a like a horse right at the start of a race and i'm just you know the adrenaline is building and, and i can hear it in your voice even in the first one too because here's a different lens to your point of week six versus what you're talking about now every pick that you were looking at on giving your analysis Everything's positive. Everything that you <laughs> said could be right. Yes. It sounds logical. Everything you said about Justin Fields, um, even about Jalen Hurts, like it could definitely happen. Everyone listening could see that playing out. Or it could literally go the complete opposite. But the <laughs> totally. fun part is that all of it can definitely happen. So you're always right at this point. So it feels good. You feel like an expert. Like you're the next Mel Kuyper as of now. And then once the season starts, you realize that you're just like, you know absolutely nothing. Every other it's day. just too random. Great. Honestly, I never considered that psychological standpoint, but I love it. It's so true. Like you just get to like call it like you see it. It's just loosey goosey, and that really. Yeah, I, I think you're 100 percent right. And I'm 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 excited. I got more hot takes brewing. Like I'm excited to just keep letting them unfurl. You know. And I think that is the perfect transition here. So before we get into this year, I think with all these hot takes, and now that we have this great pod that you have started. Alec, I know we've gone through and looked at old picks and stuff um, through, through you know, Bennett's astounding just administration. We've had a great, what, like nine-year run at this now. We have so much data going back that we've looked at. We've yet to scavenge through some old pods yes. and bring up some old picks. So before we start going through some of the standard ones, like throughout the year, I figured it'd be good to take a quick look back at last year's pod to see how we did. Um, just kind of thinking how the NFL went, what did we see, what did we think was going to happen, right? What were those optimistic takes, and how did they turn out? Um, so we're going to hit some of those. But first, I wanted to um, just congratulate our bottom finisher with the first snippet here. Um, Bill Stevenson was our first kind of – this is at the end of the last year's pod, just to cue this up here, Alec. And before we start, I just wanted to give some background. This is, as all of you know, Mr. Bill Stevenson. Um, he tried to turn it around. He got a new cat, Najee Harris. I think that might be his, his new good luck charm, hopefully. But this was last year before he got the last place finish. Um, and, and this was kind of our thoughts going into draft weekend um, on Bill. So, Alex, if you want to roll the clip. You got it, fella. It is a bummer, though, because I'll miss Bill whenever he would pick someone in, like, the ninth round. Like, <laughs> you know what? In week three preseason, he had seven receptions, 112 yards. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is uh, solid. I mean, that is a really uh, solid 
Did you play it through 107? Oh, wait, I'll keep it going. I'll keep it going. Hold on. <laughs> the very end is a good one. Oh, shit. That is a... Oh, I'll miss, I will miss those little tidbits for sure. But, uh... Well, Bill's, Bill's ADP draft was straight up a printout from ESPN last year, so I'm, I think he's off his game a little bit. I, I've never... I've never trusted ESPN's ADP rankings. They are atrocious. I feel you, yeah, Bill. Bill, Bill Bill's got to up his game, especially after missing the playoffs last year. It's a... It's a... It's a... It's a yeah, I agree. Well, hey, man, it was race great. Race to three, right? The what was that? Three. All right, that's pretty much it. Race to three? Race to three, so, you're right. Me and Bill. Yeah, what are we going to say, Ian? So, basically, I, I think it may have gone a little long there, but basically, right at the end of the draft here, we were already concerned about Bill last year. Uh, there was just warning signs everywhere. He just, he kind of lost his mojo, and I think that last year was just, it was unlucky, all right? Getting last is a, a portion of lucky, but I think Bill has just lost his way in the fantasy world. I just, some, something's off, and, and, you know, sometimes when the train's off the tracks, it just keeps going the other way, and it keeps going even longer. Yeah, I mean, it's, so I, it's funny, I forgot this portion of the pod as soon as I started playing it, because I also re-listened to this one, um, First off, totally right. ESPN is total bullshit. Like for I, I had last year my my draft on draft day. ESPN's ranking ranked me eleventh out of twelve teams. So I do think you are written, nailed it on the head. Like going off ESPN's ADP, if you're just doing a print off, like y- you've already lost in my mind. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And and so he just. He took that momentum, right? So this was before we drafted, and then he got last place. So I just want to shout out Bill there. I think the the loser definitely deserves a shout out. Um, of course, punishment still TBD. Excited to hear about that a little bit. Um, so that was before we kind of look back. I think I had two other takes I wanted to to listen through real real quick from from last year, and then we can talk through them a little bit more. I think the Bill one is is enough said. So if we just want to cue the cue the next clip here. Yeah. Do you want me to play it now, Ian? Yeah, go ahead and just roll it. Okay, here we go. I'm just not a Nagy fan. I think their defense is... I think this is kind of like one of those... I think there's going to be a lot of inner turmoil between Trubitsky and Nick Foles. And is Nick Foles good? Is You know, if Nick Foles wins the starting job and is bad, are they going to go back to Trubitsky? There's a lot of people who put a lot of... You know, I mean, they literally traded up, as everyone knows, to get him. Um... So yeah, eight wins for the Bears. I just don't know. Like again, I don't think the NFC North is particularly strong. So that's like the what they, the reason they weren't in my bottom two is there's a world where I think they could, you know, split across all three teams, and they only need five more wins. Uh, you know, and they they could eke it out, but the Bears. Come back, come back, come back. Sorry. You're good. You're good. Did your ID get scanned? So there we go. Yeah, I the Bears thing. So when I said that they're not in my bottom two, I had two teams that I was really on to for the under, and the Bears were kind of – I was just kind of stalling for time. But, man, the Bears, wow. They uh, – I think they, they ended at exactly eight wins, right? They were eight and eight last year? They did. They were they were eight and eight, but I think you were just – I think you had some really good intuition there on Nagy. I think just – he just seems like a dick. Like that most recent clip with him and, and uh, Montgomery, he just – he seems like an asshole. Dude, I know. I was so angry. It's like, here you go. You have David Montgomery. 
he's like just thrilled to get out and want to get hit and it's like great I love that my running back is like excited to get hit he's ready for it and then he's like almost like scolds him like a child he's like yeah I can't do it I don't know the league's illegal and then he was just kind of awkward he's like you're built for training who the fuck is built for training camp of course he's built for Sundays he's just Nagy just a classic way to that Nagy would handle that and he's kind of arrogant like it came off a little bit like why don't you know this? And it's like, I, I don't know. There's just, if I'm in Nagy's position, I'm handling that. It's like, hey, man, I can, not right now. It's coming. Just, you'll be there. We'll get there soon. Like, encourage him. Don't be such like a, a dick. I'm just amazed at Nagy's handling of that situation. This feels like a transition year for Nagy. I agree. This feels like, this feels like he's on the way out and they're, they're not, they're not vibing, to, to be honest. And, I think we don't even need to play the next Bears clip I had. I can summarize it. It's basically what the hell happened with Mitch Trubisky. So yeah. we were just talking last year. I said, I saw, I'm gonna, I, I thought I would see great regression with Trubisky. Uh, he just doesn't have the intangibles, and he's been in it too long. And, you know, he doesn't look like he's, he is increasing in, in talent. And sure enough, he now has a $2 million deal with the Bills. Uh, yep. Not even on the team anymore, and and they're they're just going a completely different direction. Nick Foles is on his way out. They're just sadly paying him, and and they've got two different quarterbacks, and they've got the gunslinger Andy Dalton started, <laughs> um, with a promising Justin Fields like you laid out. So I think the Bears this year, you know, we can go get into it later. But I, looking back, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the Bears. There's just there's a lot of talent on the field. Montgomery and Robinson were great for me last year. They were great for you. But when you actually watch them as a team, they are so lost. Like, there is no direction with the team. The offense is just atrocious. It was tough to watch. I mean, and I, I won't ever forget. Like, this, cause what's hilarious is the Bears made the playoffs last year. Just stunning, really. Oh, and it was bad. And they played the Saints, and it was just the ugliest game. <laughs> it was so hard to watch. And I'm just, it's like, just a sad sack of a team. And... Trubitsky just he's like he's such a nice guy I'm actually surprised the Bills got rid of him because I think he's actually an excellent backup quarterback honestly like he's a really good heart guy like I think he's his heart's in the right place he's just not a starting quarterback um but man yeah I'm I don't I don't have much more faith in the Bears this I mean this we're kind of in a, like a, a, a quasi rebuild here and I agree Nate this will be Nagy's last year unless they really blow the doors open open which I don't see happening and um, yeah, that'll be it with the Bears. You know, I think that they're, you know, we're in a transitional phase. We're going to get a new, we got a new quarterback, and now we're just waiting on the new head coach, in my mind. Yeah, and, and I think it, it says something that the over-under is less this year than it was last year. Not right. by much, seven yep. and a half to eight, but same outlook where it's just like a seven and a half over-under in the NFL is you're, you're in the bottom half, easy. Right. And, and you don't feel good choosing either side of that because, you know, seven and nine is not great either. So, or, well, well, it would be eight and eight would win it. I don't, I don't well, see how the Bears get eight wins again. Well, I'd be shocked. Ian, remember, this is a seven, it's actually a game and a half penalty because this is a 17 game season. Oh, wow. How did I not take that into consideration? Oh, that's huge. Yeah. So, this would be adjusted to almost like a seven over under compared exactly. to last year. So, almost exactly. an entire game last year. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Interesting. Yeah. So, the Bears, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the Bears were, they are what they are. Um, not that, not really like a, 
yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, if this year I'm just glad, that's why I'm glad we got Fields. Like, I'm kind of in this, I'm in the same place I think that Bengals fans were last year, where it's like, you know, one more rebuild year, get a good pick, and, right. and try to bring something good next year. Exactly. Yep. Hundred percent. Yeah, and and you know the Cubs don't have it great either. They just shipped house on everyone on they their did. entire team. So I think I think the Chicago fan base is going to take a breather and just maybe take a year off. I agree. I mean, Chicago's, yeah. I mean, the Cubs won a Super Bowl, so I feel, or <laughs> the Cubs won a World Series. Oh, that's impressive. Uh, so, you know, I feel like as a city, we can take a beat. I mean, the, the Bulls are bad, too, but, I mean, we'll take a beat, yeah. see how everything goes, but, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I think this year it's just like, hopefully Fields shows some flashes, Montgomery continues to develop, and that's about as good as it gets for us, you know. Yeah, I figured it's always good to talk about the Bears. It's, you know, quite a few fans of the Bears on this uh, in this league. So when they hit that one, I think another big team uh, of our league is the Steelers, and we talked about them last year. So uh, if you want to roll that clip, if you've got it. I certainly do, and we will hit it here. This one's a little longer, yeah, but is. we'll give it a listen. You were like, oh, that seems way too high. Uh, for, for me, I think the big one, Steelers players for fantasy purposes for that reason. I think that they wing the ball around, too. Like, when, when Ben's they around, Dan, they, they throw. Uh, 
Yeah, I uh, interesting take there. I listened to that one. What, what do you think about that take a year removed now, Ian? Well, I was wrong, um, but I think I was still right in a sense. Like I, I think the same. That was thing. the ugliest twelve-win season I have ever seen. There, when they were like undefeated, they were the worst undefeated team of all time. Whatever 100%. they went eight or nine and zero, or whatever it was. I think it was they had like so many shitty teams that they played, and they won by two, and they were all cocky undefeated. So, like, I was wrong, but their twelve-win season was. I mean, once they got in the playoffs, you could see their team just didn't have it. I think you were right on on. This is where I feel like we like we are educated in the NFL, especially that was a great take on. They have a lot of weapons, and, and Claypool kind of came out of the woodwork. James Washington, um, I think that's his name, um, and and Big Ben kind of did something. So he's in shape this year, which is interesting. But I, I think overall, looking back, we were pretty spot on on the Steelers, especially you. Um, you don't you don't touch the Steelers is what I've learned. I, I'm not going to predict them this year because they they just have too good of a like an overall organization. And yeah. I think that they I, your your term here they regress to their mean. I feel like they always have this. No, go down maybe like they're always ten to twelve wins. Like that is the Steelers. Like I, I, I don't know if they agree. go lower than that to be honest. Um, but I think I was right about the Browns and the Ravens and. Where those extra wins came in was on the Bengals' side. I think the Bengals didn't do so well. But the Steelers overall, what do you think? Yeah, I would agree. I think like the state, the Steelers just institutionally are strong. And, you know, I think it's – it's yeah, there's really nothing more I don't want to add. I think you nailed it. I am excited to see – the AFC North is just a really fascinating division, year in, year out, always is. Like, and I, I, I honestly – I used to think it's because – and I certainly think it contributes that I have so many friends who care so deeply about those teams. But I also think it's just always interesting. They got Baker with Stefanski. They got Lamar and Harbaugh. They got the Steelers. I mean, they're just a great division. Love the AFC North, and I'm excited to, for another year of it, you know? I uh, Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and I don't know if the AFC North is going to slow down anytime soon. I agree. I, and honestly, I don't think it will I guess I'm excited for the FC North this year and, and, and I want to keep looking backwards but I'm so excited to talk forward so before we go kind of more forward any other picks from last year that you kind of liked or didn't like on your end yeah I mean Ian we gotta we gotta pat ourselves on the back go listen to the pod we both nailed the Broncos on the under nailed it on that pod yeah I mean what was it, it was like seven and a half or something yeah. ridiculous something Absolutely. ridiculous absolutely ridiculous and and what they get they were i think they were one of the worst teams in the nfl so yeah they had we some... definitely weren't weren't up on that yeah we were up on that one and then uh i would just like to say i said in that pod that matt patricia would be first coach fired and he was third coach fired that year uh it went jim o'brien dan quinn and dan quinn had like the just the five most heartbreaking losses in a row for i mean it's just there's no way yep. that matt, I mean, Matt Patricia was just a dipshit, and I'm so glad. I did not like him at all, and I'm so glad he just failed. He just seemed like such a— it, Matt Patricia seemed like your boss at work who, like, and no one— like, he's just kind of divorced from reality, but no one's going to call him on his bullshit, and he would just say things, and people would be like, well, that's just blatantly false, but I guess no one's going to say anything, and then they just goes about his life, and eventually he just gets let go. That's That was Matt Patricia to me. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think... feel bad for him a little bit. I, like he came from that Belichick era, so he all the Belichick pedigree per se. So he also had just that insane kind of expectation on Great his head point. quickly to implement a winning system in an organization that has the Browns feel, where it's like it doesn't just take a coach. Like you need the GM, like, you need a full system overhaul to, to do something like that. And I You're think, right. But yeah, he. He just—he didn't seem like the man for the job, and you called it out. And I think it was an easy. I think they got four or five wins last year, and um, and yeah, now they're projected to be the worst team in the NFL. So yeah. I don't think it's getting any better uh, with Jared. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna uh, be a tough but, year for them. But that was a really good call in here, and I think the other one that we talked about last year, uh, and then we can move on, is the Cardinals. Yeah, you nailed I mean, the Cardinals. You were all over the Cardinals. I was not as in yeah. on that over, but you nailed it. I don't know what, like, uh, I kind of always like to revert, sometimes to revert back to soccer. The way that they play is, like, tiki-taka, or not Barcelona, Spain from back in the day. They just have really light, agile, D-hop over, like, they just have these, like, like, Kyler Murray's running all over the place. They have so many weapons moving side to side, I guess, east to west movement, and a little bit of over the top, but it's like... It seems like they're a death by a thousand cuts type team. Totally. Like, you can never stop them. And the second you stop the run, Kyler is doing a QB, like, whatever it's called, like a, a play-action run, you know, bootleg yeah. left, and he's off to the races. Next thing you know, you've got to restart your defensive game plan again. Like, they just seem like a team that will just kind of wear you down offensively. And I just wasn't sure about the defense. But they're another team that I think everybody in our league is going to look to get their hands on players. And in general, just watch more of their games because they are just, they're just a fun team to watch. I agree. I really wish the Cardinals would get some sort of like Darren Sproles gadget type running back. I would just like, I think it'd be so much fun. I mean, we, we talked a lot about Kyler Hurry. I'm short. Kyler's short. Love it. I wish they just had two guys under 5'9 in the backfield <laughs> just fucking shit up. I would just love that so much. It doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon, but man, I would just love a little gadget Darren Sproles type. Even a Tariq Cohen. Like, I'd love, you know, I just, anyway. Oh, that would be a good one. Wouldn't that, that would be fun? Be really, that would actually be a pretty good match, too. It'd be great. But anyway. Or like a Boston Scott. <laughs> yep, exactly. Boston Scott, another another short king. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it'll be, yeah, I love the Cardinals. Love watching them every year. And I honestly thought, listen to our pod, we were pretty good. Like, we were pretty on it last year, I thought. I, I I, uh, we were, yeah, I was pretty impressed listening back to that, I gotta say. I was too. Uh, the only one that was really wrong was the Steelers on my part, I believe. I think you would have gone four for four, uh, which is a pretty good return if I say so myself. So, there you go. congrats to, to you, congrats to me. I mean, I think we clearly know what we're talking about. Amen, everyone. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> take this to the bank, baby. Put your mortgage on it. All aboard. Here comes the over <laughs> four year. Um, but I think before we rinse last year off, I think it's right just to end 2020 with, you know, we've shamed Bill. I think we just call the light some of the worst draft picks of 2020. Love this. I, I am so here so, for this. My favorite one. I mean, this this pick is fantastic. So, can, wait, can you guess? what? Who do you think is the worst pick of 2020, in my opinion? So, here's the thing. Are you including injuries or because the first one that comes to mind is Bill with Saquon, but he just had that ACL thing. So, are, did you include? Yeah, I wouldn't as much consider Saquon. I consider more like Michael Thomas. But okay, fair. Than Saquon, but but no, this was just this person was barely healthy all year, had some injuries, but just did not live up to expectations, and not even close. 
so I don't have a good one. I the the one that comes to mind, and I and I don't think this is totally accurate, but I think it was the most made fun of at the draft was Tom Brady to Fez was the one that I was like, oh, yikes! I think he hey, took that him. That is in, a good one. I think he took him in round five, and everyone was just. I mean, just a bad pick, just a bad pick to take Brady in five. Everyone knows what he is, but I don't think that was the one. But that was the only one. That was the only one that really came to mind for me. But I'm sure you have a better one. Well. Oh, yeah. This person knows what's coming. This person knows that I'm about to say Love this. Alex Gert. <laughs> First round pick. Oh, Go you're right. <laughs> Eighth overall, dude. This man was RB 47. <laughs> 47. He drafted an eighth overall. I mean, Joe Mixon was the letdown of the year. In terms of, like, he was healthy pretty much all year. He just sucked. Like, wow. I think he had an ankle issue or something, but, like, he was bad, bad, like, all year. I think he maybe missed three or four games, but in general, he just had a, a, an atrocious year. Joe Mixon was running back 47? According to, like, what I'm looking at on the draft recap from last year in our league on ESPN, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's debilitating. Holy cow. Okay, so he did – actually, he did have a ton of injuries. He didn't play the entire back end of the year. So, never mind. Sorry, Gertz. Uh, <laughs> he didn't play the last 10 weeks. So, Gertz is going to be up my fucking ass. Oh, you're going to get drilled for that one. Pretty big letdown. <laughs> pretty big letdown. Uh, I, I think, like, overall, I don't know why. It just kind of – like, everyone else in the first round, like, besides Saquon, still kind of put out a little bit. CMC's – I don't know. There was a lot, but I just thought Joe Mixon was one where he was playing, playing, and then just it didn't work out. I could have sworn there was something with Joe Mixon about he was going to come back, and then he didn't, and then he's going to come back. But I don't know. Maybe I'm gonna I'm getting blown up on the spot here. But my other my other few ones here were uh, Michael Thomas drafted by Dan. Rough. I think that's not Dan's going to come to me with a list of reasons why ah this isn't that bad of a pick. <laughs> but he's still, I mean. Michael Thomas is just one of those different than CMC and Saquon where they kind of, like, peeled Bandit off right away. Like, Michael Thomas was one where you just had to keep him because he, there was this looming thing that he was going to come back. Yeah. And then it's just wasting your roster spot, and you're literally just, like, in our league where we don't have that many roster spots, those kind of flyers on free agency can, can sometimes pan out. And, like, that's why I consider this a bad pick because Michael Thomas just drained Dan Flesher all year. That's all he did. And that's, Dan probably just thought about Michael Thomas every Sunday. I mean, you're so – and it's funny. Like, those nagging – I'll never – I took Dalvin Cook the year before. So this would have been the 2018 year. And he had a hamstring injury all year. It was a major problem. But he was like, hey, questionable. It takes two carries, doesn't play the rest of the game. Those type of guys suck your soul right out. They're a succubus. And – you're so, like, I guarantee Dan will never take Michael Thomas again as a result, you know? No shot. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I probably won't ever draft Saquon again just for the reason. Right. Um, and, and a similar one, you know, just to call it out, Cortland Sutton. It's just like the unlucky of fantasy. That was Bill, fourth round pick. He plays one game and he never sees the field again. It's just like one of those where you just have to, like, put your head down and be like, this game sucks. Like, I mean, that's just like the fantasy football god. So I've done a little bit of an out. Bill's first four draft picks. Are you ready for this? Saquon Barkley, oh, yeah. Zach Ertz, James Conner, Cortland yep. Sutton. I mean, that is a graveyard. An absolute like you couldn't pick four worse players than those four in those corresponding. In like your ADP range, I agree. I mean, yes, exactly. Like I'm saying, like given like 
people's AD, if you're like give or take two spots on each side of the ADP and where Bill draft, I mean, that that's an all-time bad first four. And you can't come back from that. I mean, Ertz, Saquon, Cortland, two of them had season-ending ACLs. Zach Ertz sucked. And James Conner is a, a carcass. I, it, just a brutal first four for Bill. And that's why he came in last. Yeah, and even like Leonard Fournette in the fifth, like... Oh, yikes. Leonard Fournette, I think he played, like, at the end of the year, and that was about it. Wow, so, I didn't know he did Fournette in the fifth. Holy cow, yeah. that is rough. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> looking at this, this is a graveyard. So he drafted Russell Wilson to drive his team's victory, basically it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now we know why Bill uh, finished last. And, and to your point, like, some of that is just truly just, like... Bad luck. in the shaft. Like, there's... Yeah, that's just bad luck. Yeah. And it, it, you know... I would say, though, as a fancy owner, I wish it would just compile, like, just pile on someone just so that there's less for everyone else. You know, if someone's down, just kick them while they're down and they'll come back next year. Yeah. Um, and, and the last one was Dan um, on a bad pick here. Uh, another tough one to gauge, but big question mark last year, Lev Bell. Oh, you know, he, I was in on Lev Bell, too. He had so much hype, man. He was like, I'm back and better than ever, and holy shit. It was bad. Like, I watched a lot of Kansas City games because I had Clyde, and I, I was not concerned as a, as a Clyde owner. Like, Lev Bell does not have it anymore. Like, yeah. I, I don't – I'm curious if he even gets picked this year. Yeah, I don't think he will. And I, I distinctly remember it was either a text – it might have gone in the group me, but it might have been a direct message to Gertz. Regardless, I was in on Lev Bell. Like, I thought he was – not so much in the draft, but once he got traded to the Chiefs, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this guy's a, a no-brainer RB2 and, and could very well finish as an RB1, like, for the rest of the year. Like, if you start from the weeks that he went for the Chiefs going forward, like, RB2, RB1 range. But, wow, he looked yeah. bad. And it, it's – I completely – I don't know why you would draft him this year. It, what on God – like, there is no reason to draft that guy. He can barely run now, you know? And that's why we're going to play a clip next year of somebody drafting like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a flyer. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, those are really all the bad picks. Do, I, mean, I do. Surprisingly, yeah. One I got to call out, Chris Gertz with Kenyon Drake, also rough. I mean, he ended up trading yeah. me Kenyon Drake for Boston Scott, straight up. Well, I mean, if that that's I took Boston Scott in the 10th round. He took Kenyon Drake in the first round. I mean, that's about as rough of an exchange as you can get, you know? And the tough part here is that the reason why I didn't put Kenny Drake on the foot, funny you bring him up, he was drafted 11. He finished RB14. You know, not like a Joe Mixon at RB47 or, you know, Les Bell, RB61. Like, Kenny Drake still had points. He definitely didn't live up to his potential. And I remember specifically Chris Gertz going, like, lawyer skills on – why he did this, I believe it was because he needed a real a starter that week. Like, Kenny Drake was hurt or on a bye or something. That's true. He or, was. I think he was on a bye. And Chris needed to get a win, and he needed a player then, and you kind of just poached him. So I will say Chris would, will also go up in arms on that one where he just was in a, his back was against the wall, I believe. But still another tough pick where it just doesn't turn out the way you want it. And then the back half of the first round, Alvin Kamara, I mean, blew up. And honestly, my favorite pick of the draft was yours, Alex. Devontae Adams. Love him. God I bless mean, that last man. Last pick of the first round, you have the turn going into the second round again, Travis Kelsey, which is another great pick. But Devontae Adams last year was a man on a fucking mission. I mean, I will never— You couldn't stop him. You, he was unstoppable. I mean, it was like it, it, watching those games, it literally felt 
like he was a cheat code and he would hit the get open button and then he'd be open and wide open like no one within five yards of this man it was remarkable like watching Devonte adams i have such a newfound respect for the skill of route running and i also think it's, it's also like aaron Rodgers hits people out of the break and with such timing that that's how that separation looks so wide but at the same time it's like my gosh she is wide open all the time it's just incredible yeah, well, like I agree. When you're watching, he he is one of like he doesn't. I don't know how to say. It. He doesn't look that commanding when he's just running no, a route. I but agree. then for some, but then he's just yeah, like he's just always open. It it really does blow my mind um, as well. And there are very few receivers like that. Um, honestly, I can't even name three that that do it the way he did last year. Like maybe a Julio Jones. Um, yeah, and you know Devonte Adams. Like, there's been a lot of drama around him. Um, there has. Currently, obviously, but he's 28. Like, he still has probably two years of this just, like, if he stays healthy, wa- like, watch out. I-, I don't know how he doesn't go first round again. Oh, he'll certainly go first round. And, yeah, I think, I mean, unless you had any other takes, I think that segues us really nicely in- into 2021, unless you had any other 2020 highlights you wanted to bring up. No, I think it's good to leave it in the past. I think we spend even more time than I thought. But overall, I mean, it's definitely fun to look back. Uh, it is. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but man, like I remember certain weeks like they were yesterday on just thinking <laughs> what the fuck just happened kind of thing. Um, and, and uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I can't believe I haven't formally congratulated you on your championship, so uh, congratulations. Thank but, you. Uh, we're putting it in the past. Um, you know, I was going to play a clip off that first pod of, of you saying, man, this feels special to be going for a three-peat, but I, I figured I'd save, because you said those exact words, I was like, man, I think I'm going to save the league that uh, <laughs> that fucking ear trash. Fair enough. Um, Fair but, enough. but congrats on your three-peat. I mean, you deserve you deserve to praise the streets. I think, oh, before we jump into the one, I'm actually super pumped on this cabin. I think this cabin was a fantastic pick. I mean, obviously I'm an outdoors person, so I, I would, like, I like being out in the woods and stuff, but the beaches were a lot of fun. I don't you can take that away, but yeah, you can't get the space on a beach. And this cabin I is gonna be debauchery and I'm so excited. As long as we just don't break shit, I think this cabin is exactly what our league needed. It's a nice space. We all get beds. Um there's casinos everywhere and I don't see how we don't have an absolute blast. Yeah, in, in the Denver area. Looking back, I did that over unders pod with Bennett. One that I'm really kicking myself for not asking Bennett is over under 36 hours on the hot tub being functioning. I mean, there's no, that we never, the hot tub will never, like, we'll get into it one time. Ian Kyle will over flood it. We overflowed it last year. Oh, I was in it when we the first night. It and it, the like, f- never worked it again. Yeah, it was, I was the smallest guy in the hot tub at that time, I think. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so we had to, we had some units in the tub, and we it just overflowed real quick. <laughs> I mean, if people start to get drinking, I mean, I hope we can get to Friday night with it, but we'll see. I mean, but regardless, yeah, I'm super excited. And again, I the only thing I want is our live draft. I just want to be drinking my coffee on that balcony overlooking the sunrise with my team drafted with the pine trees in oh, the background too. It's Oof. gonna be stunning and. I don't know. It's going to be great. And yeah, I'm excited. I think it'll be a great draft. And, you know, I think, yeah, I think that like a lot that, you know, beaches are fun, but I think having more space at this age of our lives will, will really help people's mental state and also just comfortability. 
Yeah, and people just didn't travel a ton during COVID either, so it'll just be good to just see each other and just hang out yes. with each other quite a bit as well. Also true. Um, it'll be good to catch up with people. I know I have I wasn't able to fly home and see people as much as I would have liked either, so it'll be good just to catch up with everyone, to be honest. I know everyone's kind of going like a mile a minute these days, so it'll be good to kind of go out in the woods and just hang out. But Amen. Um, you know, with that, we, we draft a new, a new team, a, a new uh a new start for everyone who didn't win last year. And uh, at this point, this is the best investment you've made, right? Fancy football fees because you just return, what, 10x every year? Amen, brother. Year. This is this is better <laughs> than crypto, dude. Ooh. But, you know, with that, we got we got the outlook for 2021. Um, it's interesting. Have you, did you pulled up the over-unders for 2021? I did. I'm, I, they are all set up and ready to go. So I want. Do you want to start top down or down up from win total? So here's what I'm thinking. I had a. I have. So I, I got to be honest. I only had one team that I felt very confident on is that we could talk about in terms of like a, a, an under that I really liked. I think we should start from the top, and particularly the two teams that the numbers were speaking to me most with the Chiefs and the Bucks. I was seeing the Chiefs yep. at twelve and the Bucks at eleven and a half. And if you had yeah, to did pick... Did you use the CBS rankings? I did, yep. Okay, perfect. So we've got the same list. Okay. What... If you had to put money on one of those overs, who would you put it on? Chiefs. You put it on the Chiefs. See, I kind of lean more towards the Bucks. The Bucks I think are they're both strong. Under 11 and a half. Oh, whoa! That's my hey! That is my lock. Wow! Lock. Incredible. So here's the thing. I okay. Do you go first? That. You go first. No, 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 no. You said here's the thing. What do you, What do you got for me? So I really struggled with this quite a bit, and I saw both of those numbers, and I, I saw the Chiefs at twelve. And I'm like, man, that might be one of my locks. And then I saw the, and I was like, the next thought was, okay, so then the Bucks must be below because this is highest to lowest, and the Bucks are eleven and a half. And I totally feel you. The curse of the Super Bowl teams that come back from winning the Super Bowl struggle. I, I totally it, it I, and I think it's fair, but at the same time I'm like, gosh dang it, they return everyone. You give Brady another year to get these guys like get the routes. They were kind of funky at the beginning of the year. Their defense is still strong. I think Arians is a good coach. I'm like, gosh dang it, they're not gonna. And here's the kicker for me: their division is terrible. They have the the Panthers. In the Falcons, like, I don't, I just don't see, I mean, it's the Panthers, the Saints, and the Falcons. The Saints, like, I mean, the court, here are the quarterbacks for those guys. You have Sam Darnold, Matt Ryan, and then some sort of combination of Taysom Hill slash James. Like, you're telling me that Brady's not going to go 5-1 and one against those Yahoos? That's fair. And, and I, you know, I, I, you make a very rational argument, and I, I think that your argument is more sound than mine. Um, my my first kind of rebuttal to that is the Saints. I think they're a Steelers like you. You're a hundred percent Peyton. A hundred percent Winston. I don't care if they sign Joe Flacco tomorrow. You're right. They're going to be at least an eight win team. Now they won twelve last year, so that, that, there's some wiggle room. I'm not sure how they did against the Bucks. I'm guessing they split. They split, yep. but. But I still think the Saints can probably beat the Bucks. Like it's still, I just I, I don't see the Bucks being the best 
team regular season in the NFL. And I don't think that's a top, like, I know Tom Brady had the 16-0 season. I know he's got a good regular season record. But I don't think that Tom Brady's X factor is getting regular season wins. I know that sounds weird, but, like, what Tom Brady does is win in the playoffs. He doesn't fucking lose. Yes. When he's in the regular season, I just think that he's in a different, like, now when the Bucks started losing early last year, I know, like, everyone's like, Tom Brady's going to turn it around. And he did. But I still, to your point, if he can continue that. But I just don't know if the Bucks can get, a like, 11 and a half is a lot. So they have to repeat last year, basically. Right. Um, at least, right, because they have the 17-game season. So I just personally don't know if the Bucks can can do that. I mean, I it's, they end with Carolina, New York, the Jets, and Carolina. So that that will be, I think, where this over under gets met. Um, but they play. I, I, it seems like one that is a softball. That's I don't know. It just I saw it and it immediately stuck out to me. I I don't see the Bucks as the second best team in the NFL. I don't see them at eleven and a half. I bet they get eleven wins and everyone bites their nails going into the last game against the Panthers. They're already in the playoffs and they don't play Tom Brady and they lose. Like that's I could really see that happening. Yeah. But I guess that that isn't necessarily a lock. I just I just feel comfortable. Like I would put like multiple units if I were to be betting this that it would be Bucks under 11 and a half. I feel you. It's tough, man. And it, I think you totally nail it with, I mean, Brady's a guy in who, if it's, especially like weeks, you know, any week, if it's a regular season game and he sees eight men come on a blitz, he's getting, he's throwing it away and he's not taking hits. Like he's not, I completely agree with you that he's not, yeah. his, his superpowers. Brady com- takes those hits. Yes. He's not taking them in the regular season. He's like LeBron. It's like LeBron takes the regular season off. Because he knows that come playoff, that's where they need him, so that's what he'll do. And and, and but conversely, it's like, gosh dang, like I just feel like he has another year with Evans and Godwin and Antonio Brown, and they can sync up. Yeah. And I just, yeah. I mean, again, neither of these teams were in my lock category, but if I had to put money on it, I would put it on the Bucks. But I don't think the Chiefs, honestly, at twelve are terrible either. Um, but I just felt more confident with the Bucks. Yeah, I, I, the Chiefs, you're banking on a Pat Mahomes injury. It's really the 12-win total, yep. personally. Like, 100%. If Patrick Mahomes is 100% healthy, they get the 12-win total. It's not even a question. I would 100% guess. agree, yeah. Um, but, like, when you saw him, did you watch the playoff games against the Browns last year? Oh, yeah. Great game. Like, the Browns blew the game. They had that chance at the end. Mah- like, when Mahomes is not healthy, I mean, he did play, but that – showed you what the Chiefs had, right? Like, if, like, Mahomes on a hobbled ankle who he legitimately couldn't scramble or do anything, he was throwing off his back foot because his ankle was so bad, um, and they would rather do that than their backup quarterback. So it just is like, if Mahomes isn't healthy, that team's not even close to getting 12. And I know you could probably say that about any team, but I think Mahomes, he's, I mean, he is that guy, you know? Like, it's, they don't stand a chance. So it's, it's like, if he doesn't even play three games, they have a really solid chance of missing that win total. So I agree. Uh, that one's tough too. I, I don't. I don't. I, I would not commit to the twelve win total from the Chiefs either. Yeah. I um. So moving on down. Okay. So I'll start with my. So this is my quasi lock. Like I said, I there was only one lock that really spoke to me, but I had to pick two because I picked two last year. So this is my quasi lock, and this might be a bit hot takey, but. 
it was the one that spoke to me the most out of all of them. Honest to God, maybe there's one other. There's two that are tied, but the other one's right at the bottom. The Rams at 10.5, I like the under. I'm going to be honest. And, and it, it it comes down to... Matt Stafford. <clears throat> you hate him. I'm not a big Staff. Well, it's it, that's true. So Stafford's part of it. I don't know if it's a huge upgrade from Goff to Stafford. More importantly... They lost Brandon Staley, who's their defensive coordinator, who I think was really exceptional. And McVay's more of an offensive guy, so I think that, like, I you can't really borrow his brain trust there. And I just, I don't, like, I feel like that they've kind of figured out, like, McVay made all the splash with the 11 personnel, and I, I don't know if their offense is as innovative as it was a few years ago. And that division is super hard. I mean, you have the, the Seahawks, Cardinals, and 49ers, like, even going three and three is, is pretty impressive there. And they lost. They already lost Acres. I don't know. That is the one. And I totally, again, like there's some, I was right in between them and the Lions is my other lock. But honestly, I went with the Rams on the under because I just, I don't feel confident around. They just, there's some few red flags for losing Staley. I don't think Stafford's an upgrade, and they lost Acres. Those three things, I'm like, I'm putting them on my under. And that's where I'm at with those guys. I, I think that's sound, and I think that I would probably go with you on that. I think Vegas kind of agrees. It's one of the lowest paying unders on that total, so it's minus 125. Oh, is that um, right? Oh, I didn't right, know. Yeah, so like in the in, in CBS, it shows you what the over-under odds are. Oh, right. Right? So the over-under set, but then like if it pays out shitty – um, you know, on the under, which is not the worst paying under, but if it's, you know, the lowest weighted under, I'll tell you, is the Saints, nine and a half. So Ooh. that tells you that that's probably the most favorable to be hit according to Las Vegas. I see, you're right. I'm looking um, at it right now. That's a great point. Which that Chiefs over is also one of the, uh, like the Chiefs under 12, it's one of the only positive paying unders in the NFL this year, which is also very interesting. That is interesting. Um, they're wanting people to bet the under, but but either way, I, I, I completely see that on the Rams. I think there, there's a lot of teams like this right now. There's so much talent on the team, but it, they also they seem kind of lost. Yes. Um, when you watch them. And, and great point on the defense. I actually – you always keep up with the coordinators, and I just can't – I can't do it. I don't know any of the names of any offensive or defensive coordinator. I'll admit it right now. And I don't pay attention to when they transition. And I think that that's, like, really important to do. Like, I'm here to admit, like, I think it's really important. I just don't do it. Um, because you're very right. Like, the Rams defense, it, I don't know, maybe the same, a defensive coordinator comes in and does the same job. But if they don't, that defense was electric before. Like, it was so good. It seems like they got after the quarterback. I mean, obviously, Jalen Ramsey, they have a great secondary. So, um, it, it comes down to the defense. I would I would completely agree on that part, too. Um, and I'd probably join you with – I mean, if I had to choose, I'd definitely go the under. But I don't know. I mean, Matt Stafford can sling. And yeah. I'm excited to see. I know you don't like Matt Stafford, but I'm excited, too. He's been – it's like the Lions are just – you can't fathom him being in an organization like that. You're like, right. I can't, I can't wait to see him on a real team. I know he's old right now, too, but, like, I'm excited. Like, I actually hope he kills it. I really do. I kind of wouldn't mind seeing Jared Goff crash and burn, and I actually I, – I, I feel like Matt Stafford could be the L.A. guy. Like, he just looks – I don't know. I, I would love to see it happen, but I, I agree with you. I think the reason why I want to see it happen is because I don't think it's going to happen. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, and I think you can't have this conversation without bringing up the Lions. I, I the Jared got so I mean the Lions they were my third. So if I had to pick a third, like I said, the Lions and the Rams were were battling for my my second lock. In Jared Goff, and I gotta be honest, <laughs> the head coach. I know I just said the Patricia thing, <laughs> the guy with the kneecaps, and I was like, this seems like a lot. And then. He hires Anthony Lynn as his O coordinator, who was the head coach for the Chargers, who I think is also a bit of a dipshit. And it's just tough. Like, I I know they're the lowest at five, so it's like, it's just hot. But at the same time, I'm like, golf with a dipshit head coach just could be a real tragedy. I mean, it's really oh. a comedy of errors between those two, you know? So we'll see. Yeah. I get it. Who knows about the, the that one? The Lions in general is, is a mess. It's and a they're mess. mess. It, it, they're the lowest with the Texans, and for for very good reason. Uh, Kenny Galladay is like, I want to see him on a different team so bad. I he agree. is fun to watch. Every like Thanksgiving, Kenny Galladay, primetime TV. I'm happy to be watching. He, he special player. He's kind of Devontae Adams like, where he just commands like one on one coverage. The quarterback isn't even hiding it. He's looking directly at Kenny Galladay. Yeah, I mean, Galladay's a special talent, and I completely... It just sucks. It's like it's kind of like players that go to Adam Gase, it's a waste of time for them, and, and players that end up with the Lions, it just it also sucks. And, and it's... Yeah, I agree. It'll, it'll, it'll be a shame. Um, but I, I know I've been talking... Who, who, now, I've got in... I've said one of my locks. So where, where's another of your locks? Are they? What, do you got another one floating around in there? So well, I had seven teams total, but one of them was Rams with Stafford question mark. I, I actually the only one I didn't pick. I just wanted to ask you about. So you hit, so I'm glad you you brought that one up. Um, <clears throat> Dolphins at nine. Ooh, over I or think under? That's an under. Okay, I would I would take the over on them. Pers- I, they were not in. So either. people are saying two two was not looking bad. Um. And the over is actually a really high payout. And the reason why I would choose this under is because it's a plus 115. Um, I think it's the highest paying under. So which means that it's like Vegas might think it's more like 9.3, which means I'm taking the odds. So I just don't know, like, Devontae Parker is one of my favorite people to watch as well. I I drafted him, um, or I picked him up as a free agent, but... I just don't think that the Dolphins have a full depth chart to really compete, okay. like to be a 500 team in the NFL. I, I just don't see it. People are saying Tua looks great, and he is young and all that good stuff, but like, not much happened in last year. So I will put my money on it not happening, and it's his second year, so this is another one of those cases where it's a big show-out year because these next two years are kind of where you set your mark, and I just don't see him – I kind of see him being a crash occurring quarterback. And I, I say this quietly because I think I might have to play this back the next year or two when he's like, you know, an absolute stud, no-namer, like top quarterback. But I could see him crash and burning out of the NFL. So, yeah, my – so I would have taken the over not so much on the t- – I don't think Tua or ever be an electric quarterback I think he's more in the vein of like a Baker Mayfield type where he's like a plus game manager but I I actually I really like Brian Flores I think he's really solid I I, I, he, I think he has like the leader of men 
quality that I like in coaches. And I the reason I say it is because I'll never forget when the, the Dolphins were in that huge tank zone. And they're like, we're just effing tank. I mean, they were literally doing a hard tank. And Brian Flores wouldn't let him. And they, they, they won some games at the end. They seemed to be really committed to winning. And I, again, they weren't on, I wasn't either way on them, but... If you, if you had to make me pick, I would have gone on the over with the Dolphins. Again, I think it's a little bit challenging because, the, you know, I think they have the Patriots and the Jets. I could see them starting 0-5. Yeah, like, yeah, I agree. I, it, Patriots, I, with Bill Belichick coming off a rough year, Buffalo, the Raiders in Las Vegas, Indianapolis, and Tampa Bay. The tough, first yeah. five games. Tough slate. I mean, if they even if they can get two or three out of that, I mean, that's that's a good it's a win for them. I think you're right. I I, I think the under. I'm not. I saw that one, and that's a hard stay away for me. But, um, yeah, I, I like it. It'll be an interesting year for the Dolphins, and I I like I like Jalen Waddle too. Like I think I hope that they're good, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's there's enough on both sides where I'm just not into it. Yeah. I- uh, I, yeah, that's that's really all I have to say. I mean, I don't know. I I think that I, I want Tua to be good. I just don't see it happening. But yeah. uh, it, it really it came down to the strength of schedule when I was looking at it. Because the first thing I looked at was what's the highest odds boosted under and, and over, right? Because I want the best payout. Yeah. Um, and then I saw the first five, and maybe that's another Vegas baiter, but um, they they baited me pretty good because because I like it. I think I, I think those are my two main picks. I think my two unders. Are the Dolphins and the Bucks? Um, now my overs. Okay, yeah, give me. So, your, yeah, okay, hit me with it. I, you know what's crazy is I didn't love the board this year. I didn't either. Um, like I felt I the same way. Year. I was. I, I don't have a good as feel on the board this year as I did last year. I completely agree. Which I'm excited for because that means that there's more uncertainty, which means that there's going to be a lot more kind of oops and odds, which is crazy because when you think about last year, that's hard to think about, but. There are so many question marks, even on the top like ten teams. I completely that agree. I'm excited to see because, like, it, it's. I'm curious to see. Okay, if we were to pick, you know, how certain over unders do, sure, but just in general, like how teams do against their win total total next year, because against this entire list, if that makes sense. Right? Oh, interesting. Like, okay. Like, where did every team end up on the over or under, and how many of them hit? Because it, it just seems like so many. And what was the disparity between it? Because it seems like I see some of these seven-win teams that could be ten-win teams. Like, it seems like yes. a greater disparity on, like, missing this year. Like, with a few injuries, like Carson Wentz isn't even healthy this year right now. Like, the Colts could be... They're they're set at ten right now. The Forty ers are set at ten. They've been an injury prone team. I could see them at both at seven wins this year. And then you've got the Eagles for game. I could see them at ten if things go right for them this year. The Cardinals are at eight. I could see them as an eleven win team. Like it just seems like some of these over unders are just like the disparity is just huge. I completely agree, and I I totally feel you. It, it seems like there's just a lot of clumping of teams and. I also, there were a lot of, and that's why I struggled so much with coming with my locks. I was like, man, like, the Seahawks at 10, like, I don't, that seems like just a brutal one. The Browns, like, they're, in that middle of the pack, there was only, like, one other team that I was like, it, I would like the unders, the Colts, just because Wentz is injured, and now they're looking at, like, a Hunley situation, but 
I feel you, man. The board is tough this year, and I think you nailed it when you said that this is going to be a real oohs and ahs year because I I don't know, like, there are five or six teams that could have the best record after eight weeks, and I would be like, yeah, sure, I could see that. And reciprocally, there could be five or six teams that are 0-6, and, and I'm like, yeah, it doesn't shot. You know, like, it's just gonna it's going to be a real surprising year, I think. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the ball's got to go on the table, and yeah. we're going to pick one lock of an over. So this one also hurts to say. I, I, I'll go first, okay? Because I just want to get out of the way, and I don't want to talk about it too much because this one's going to kill me. I I never bet on my team, but I really think my favorite lock is the Eagles over seven. Wow! I I do not bet on the Eagles. I think I bet on them once last year. It is I, the kiss of death. Like I don't bet on my squad. Um, seven wins for the Eagles. Uh, they were bad last year. Um, but I new head coach Siriano, the guy so far seems like he just hits himself over the head and gets himself CTE. But I think that they've got the potential. I it's hard, like Miles Sanders. Okay, think about Miles Sanders last year. Jalen Hurts at the end of the year, what he was able to do. You saw him dead at six fifty. I'm not saying how bad it was. <laughs> it was incredible. Excited. I mean, we've got the Heisman winner coming in as some, you know, fresh set of legs at receiver. Um, the O-line is coming back healthy. I believe we had uh, two injuries at the start of the season. Um, great news that Dallas Goddard didn't pass a physical today. He didn't Whoa. pass a conditioning test. Whoa. <laughs> a conditioning test. Like, literally just showing up in shape. You don't even have to do anything. Oh, that is um, bad news. Do not like that. But what? But hopefully just Earth can come back and, um, I don't know, overall, I think that that seven wins is very attainable. And then the Cardinals um, were my other kind of semi-lock. Um, they were at eight. I think they're over as well. Um, but that's minus 140. So they are the highest favorited over, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So kind of a... Not a freebie, but you're not getting a good payout on minus 140. So I wouldn't like, you know, if you're betting 10 bucks, you get like six and a half back, six back, something crazy. Um, so my lock is Eagles over seven games in a 17-game season. I mean, it seems to me like um, with the new weapon of just, oh, I mean, Devonta's going to be nice. And, uh, and whatever, Sirianni, Siriano, whatever that guy's name is. Not a fan, not a fan. But that's all I want to say. I mean, I, I want to get your thoughts on the Eagles. I'm just curious, like from the from the out from the outside perspective. But I did not have a fun time, and now I understand what the Bengals fan fanship is like. It is rough. It's brutal. Browns too. It sucks. Like I, it it hurt to watch the team play, and it just wasn't fun. So what do you do? But I, I'm back on the, like. I'm optimistic. I'm ready to go. So I'm curious. What do you think on the Eagles? This year? I so I think I don't. So my lock on the over. I'm going the Bucks. So, like I said, I already made my push for them. They were my lock on the over. Um, but it, the Eagles are tough for me. I So, I think the NFC East is just a difficult division for me in general. Like, the, they're just four teams where it's like all four. I think it's all good. They're all four are super close. I... And it's just hard. Like, I think the Carson Wentz cancer and, like, him with... Uh, Who's the head coach? Who was the head coach last year? I'm blanking on his name. Yeah, Doug Peterson. Yeah. Doug so, Peterson. 
I think that that, like when your head coach and your quarterback have such clear hostility towards one another, I think as a team, it's going to be hard to be cohesive. And so I, like, I think that And they ripped both band-aids off at the same time. Like, what yes. a great decision. I completely agree. So it's like, we just need to get rid of just exercise and get rid of all of it. I And I like Hurts. Like, I really was impressed with him, how he handled getting up, usurped by Tua. He took it like a man, went over to... Then he just went like quietly transferred to Oklahoma, produced at Oklahoma. I think he's a good dude. I if I if you gun in my head, I'd put them on the over as well. But I just go the NFC East was such a mess for me, and I don't like first year head coaches. So I took I'm I'm off it. But I if you were like if you had to make a bet either way, I'd also go on the over on it for the reasons you mentioned. They're super talented. They were really injured last year, and the the, the worst parts of they've their team they've gotten rid of. So all of those reasons would point me to a slide over, and I, I am excited to see him. I, and I actually am really rooting for them because I like Jalen Hurts so much. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's probably most people's take. And it, it'll be – I think that they're one of the teams to watch this year, though, because they're another team that, like, um, they could be a 10-win team. They, they really, really could. And they could also be a 4-win team because that's how it went last year, too. Yeah, um, and I which think, is just why these over unders this year are so tough. And what's funny is I think you could literally say that about any NFC East team. They could be ten and seven. They could be four and thirteen. And I think you could literally say that about them all. And there's not a single team. Yeah, like, they're all in that category. You know. Yeah. Do you have any other teams you want to talk about? Because I actually have a, a few questions on players. Um, yeah. So I had out, my other. So I had my other lock on the under. I already talked about this. I, this one actually spoke to. I guess. It stuns me <laughs> that Zach Taylor, who's gone six and twenty-six in the past two seasons, is they put him at six and a half. So he has to have more wins this year than he's ever had in two seasons. No way. Get, get the hell out of here. I think Zach Taylor was when they were hired. Anyone who had like one conversation in a bar with McVay was getting hired. He was the fucking quarterbacks coach. Like. I, I got no faith in Zach. I don't like his interviews. He seems like just a doughy white guy. Not. I just. I don't have any faith in him. And as a result, he's my hard under. He's my hard under. No doubt in my mind on that one. You know that's gonna catch flames, right? I know. I know, but I. I just. I gotta call it like I see it, and I would just. That be, is your lock of an under of all thirty. <laughs> it is, and I'm not trying to like start shit. Like I just. I Zach Taylor is on my uh, is on my shit list. I don't think he's a good coach. I don't like the thing is as a coach you can be two things in my mind you can be an ultimate tactician like you can be a McVeigh Belichick type who understands football better than other people and thus can scheme up your players to be in better positions or you can be a Mike Tomlin Brian Flores who it's like you just get people to respect you and buy in and maybe you're not the best schemer but you have guys who are disciplined and doing their job you're one of those two, and if you're not either of those two, you're not a good coach, and Zach Taylor's neither of those two in my mind, very clearly. But we'll see. We'll see. It's not a bad call. I, I think that Bengals fans understand that. I think the, the biggest question mark on my end is Burrow. 100%. I, I've, I've said it over and over. I love Joe Burrow, but He's great. not only did he have a potentially you know career-altering injury, he was the most hit and rushed quarterback in the NFL by a large margin yes. before he went down. Like, 100%. he was running for his life and still putting up 350 a game. Like, he did great, but, like, you cannot sustain that. And I know that they bolstered their line a little bit this offseason, quite a bit, actually. But, like, 
until proven otherwise. Like, that's the precedent we have to go off of. And for a rookie quarterback, honestly, I think Joe handled it extremely well. If you were to put a different quarterback in that situation, I think he gets handled differently. Um, much less optimistically as he probably handled it, but he was getting crushed every game. Same thing, like, I could not imagine, like, I don't know, being being in his shoes. So that's my biggest question is, like, if, if he's rushed even close to similar how he was last year, the Bengals aren't even sniffing that number. Yeah, I agree. And we'll see. I mean, I, I, I like Burrow, too, as a thing. I think he's a really – I think he's a special talent, and I wish him the best. And, and that's the one thing is, like, I do think he's honestly special enough where he could just will the team to 7-10. and 10. Like, I do think that's in play, like, at least slightly in play. But I – I don't have faith in in Zach Taylor. It goes as simple as that. But we'll see. I mean, it's good. And also, their division's tough. I mean, I mean, you have when you have games against the Browns, Steelers. I mean, the Steelers are like the Bengals' older brother, and then the Ravens and Browns are both super solid. It's like if they, you know, I, I there's a very real world where they go two and four, one and five against that, and now you're really uphill to get to seven after that. You know. So we'll see. Yeah. It's gonna be a hell of a yeah. And that's usually how it goes. So that's not that wouldn't be unsurprising either. Um, yeah, I, I think the only other thing I wanted to ask you about was looking at the ADP rankings. It feels like I'm looking at last year's. Like nothing feels different. Like most of this feels the same, does it not? I think there's a few things that I would like to point out. Yeah, I think you're and right. I want to point out a few things, and then I want to ask you a question real quick. I think it feels. My the two same. things I want to call out. Sorry, oh, sorry. No, you got it. So, sorry, the few things I want to call out real quick. Travis Kelsey at eight. You were ahead of your time there. That is a fantastic call. You saw a trend before it was happening, and you're not getting him when, like, as easy as you have previously. No. Um, Travis Kelsey is breaking fantasy football, and you've just ridden his ass all the way to the top. Rightfully so, but... Um, the trend's being broken, and he keeps moving up. So that was the one thing that stuck out. And then Najee Harris at 15 um, was one that stood out to me. But other than that, it looks almost equivalent to last year. So I'm just – I had a few questions on some of the players, but just wanted to get your thoughts. Like, did you feel the same way? Yeah, I think it's bizarre. And and I do think that this year – so, I, again, like I, I, I'm, I'm letting everything fly how I'm thinking about things. I would hate to be drafting in the first four this year. Hate it. I, I think that I have a really... So I think the reason it feels so similar is the top four guys have been around for a while. You have Kamara, you have uh, McCaffrey, you have Dalvin, you have Zeke. And the, all of these guys have been around for three, four years now. And it's like, I just... At run, least two of them aren't living up to Right. It's like least, running backs, it's really least. hard for them to continue, I think that it's like they have three to four years and then they come down. And it's like, I think you're in this world where you either go chalk and you're setting yourself up for some disappointment or you're reaching on someone. And that's why if if I'm in the top four, I'm honestly thinking about a Devontae Adams. Like, I just, I think it's safer. Unless you get McCaffrey, I think McCaffrey is as safe as it comes. If it's not McCaffrey for me, there's there's no other running back that I would feel confidently enough to take. I don't like the time frame, and I, I just, I, and I think that that's you're, what you're speaking to is just these guys that are at the top have been at the top for a while, and I think there's this will be the year we're gonna have a transition. You're gonna see your Najee Harris's, your Jonathan Taylors, your Miles Sanders start to move up, and there's gonna be a switching of the guard if that makes sense. 
and that was kind of my take too a little bit was uh when people zig you zag like this just feels like everyone's just going to status quo yes and it's just go with what you know and like that's not how the nfl works there's too much turnover to your point especially that's what's funny they're all running backs right they have the highest turnover percentage in the nfl it just it seems too safe because all these analysts can can do odds and it's like well yeah the odds are that seven of them but which one's going to win you a fantasy title and which one do you want on your team you know like saquon is just saquon's my biggest question adp5 two straight years he's been worthless legitimately worthless and he's still just running back five like I'm not even looking at him. Go ahead. I don't care if people even know it. I will not touch him with it. I don't even fucking care if he comes to me in the second round. I really, really don't. Like, he, I, I, again, someone's going to draft him. I don't care. But, like, and it's still probably a decent pick. But it's just, to your point, like, how is that better than Devontae Adams or even fucking Najee Harris at 15? Like, I don't understand how this is such a consensus. I completely agree um, seems, on that. It seems kind of crazy to me. And I think Saquon in particular is just an abs. And again, like this, you, people can think I'm bullshitting or, or what. Saquon for me is an absolute stay away. I, I haven't liked, I don't like how he runs. I don't, I don't like, I just, I'm not, a, I don't know why you take, I mean, he's going ADP five, fifth overall. And I'm just like, you give me an option. Consensus, between, consensus. Like, I mean, the next right. process is seven and a half. Right. It's Jonathan Taylor, RB6 at seven and a half average. Like, it's not even close. I, I just think it's a no. Like, I don't know why Saquon is just, like, given this. Given this, I know he's a special talent, but I, I. Honestly, he reminds me of Theranos, that, like, blood transfusion company. That, oh, yes. The, that was a great podcast. Yeah. It, it, like, everyone was like, oh, man, this is, she's the new Steve Jobs. And it was a total Fabergé egg. And they were just a really good marketing. And she was just an excellent hype machine. And that's Saquon to me. Like, he's Theranos. I don't want anything to do with him. And I, I, my heart goes out to anyone who takes Saquon. And also, he's not, I don't know if he's even like 100% healthy. Like, I'm hearing some stuff from training camp that's giving me cons- There's just, I, I think you are a fool if you take Saquon before Devontae Adams. Straight up, no doubt in my mind. I, I can't even, fa- honestly, I even think I'd take Kelsey before I take Saquon. That's no joke. I don't, I, I don't want anything to do with Saquon. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. I think at some point you obviously take the risk versus reward pick right. for RB five. That the people drafting five through seven are going to have to make that decision, and I'll be very curious to see who, who puts them up on the board. Have you heard the the podcast, the dropout about uh, Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes? No, I haven't. I watched the HBO doc. Oh, okay, that's a good one too. I, the podcast goes into a little bit more depth. Um, I recommend anyone who hasn't heard it, give it a listen. It is absolutely insane for the podcast people out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I could say that too about my, my other question was, okay, perfect example, Saquon or Zeke. I take Zeke literally every day of the week. Like no Zeke brainer. last year was yep. one of the underperformers because he just stack went out and it just didn't work out. Um, Zeke is one of those that last year was clearly his floor. Like, I don't think Zeke gets any worse than what he did last year. Agreed like, on it that. It was a nightmare, but then you realize, oh, shit, this is like when nothing else was happening. Like, this guy was still in RB. I think he was RB 10 to 12. Yeah. And that was Zeke's floor. Like, I take that over Saquon, who hasn't been held, who hasn't been able to play even 50% of his games. 
I agree. The, and the one thing with Zeke too last year, and this is just it, it, it's the it's the classic like Dana Dana White says it all the time. He might have co- copped it from someone else, but it's hard to wake up when you have. $50 million in the bank and get punched in the face. And I think as a running back, when you come off a fat contract like Zeke is, it's just hard to be like, man, I'm going to run super hard. I, I, I like, So I think, but now he has the added motivation of people are talking shit. There's a lot of Tony Pollard love. So I think that he has extra motivation this year. He has Dak now. The offensive line's still solid. Yeah, I think Zeke is just such a far better play to me than Saquon. It's, it's almost laugh. I mean, there's just, I mean, there's a dozen players I'd take at least at a minimum before I take Saquon, and maybe even more, honestly. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Zeke is a much stronger play to me than Saquon in my mind. One of the flyer, I mean, not flyer, but flyer from last year, DK Metcalf. He's a he's wide receiver five this year. He was one of my good picks. Great that pick I was going to call out, but now I'm just calling out the end. Picked him up in round six. Just like, I mean, a, again, just kind of like a flyer. Holy shit, he came out to play. Like, it was insane to watch him play. Similar as Devontae Adams in that regard where one on one coverage that he just looked his way. I see him at rank eighteen, like he's he's getting drafted in the middle of second round. Um, which is pretty wild, but uh, you know, the the Flyers I feel like fancy football is catching up and Flyers are gonna be harder to come around every year. Yeah. Um But someone like Najee Harris, man, even at fifteen. Like so, you're a Najee the, Harris the fan. The first real, I don't know if I'm a fan, but he's the first rookie off the board, and some of those guys all like first year in the league. There's a lot of freshness in that, I, especially with the running back. I I'm not sure. Even Antonio Gibson, who's somewhat hurt a little bit, but I yeah, like I'd rather take Najee Harris, and they're only two two uh, draft picks apart. So, I mean, it's. Najee Harris excites me more than most people around him, to be honest. Like, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Hopkins, like, Aaron Jones. Like, I take Najee Harris over, over all of those. And Aaron Jones is being drafted above him. So, I, I would put Najee Harris as a pretty – I think he's going to go higher than, than what this ADP says, to be honest. I think he'll go higher in our, our league, for sure. I I could ver- I don't think he'll get to the middle of the second round. I, I'd see him going in the first 14 picks would be my guess. But – um, yeah, I like it. Again, I so again, I, I, I like Najee Harris. I'm not I don't know how I feel about I you know, I think Gibson, Aaron Jones, I, I'm I'm I don't think I'm as high on Najee Harris just only for the sake of the the Steelers pretty much just used short they could not run block to save their life. And I know they were injured on the line, so I think that could come back around. But for that reason, I'm a little more off on Najee, but the thing of the thing about rookie running back, like you said, they're just rookie running backs are. Uh, I think there's other rookie running backs I like more at their value than Najee, but he could be a league winner. He's the only guy that I think could really, you know, be the RB one on the year of the rookie running backs, which is why you have to take him in the second round. You know. Yeah. No, I completely agree, and and that's but that, that's more exciting. Yes. And I just, I don't know. Dealing with injuries is just miserable as a fancy owner. So I feel like, you know, someone like Bill who just got unlucky, you know, there's a certain bit of unluckiness to it. And then there's also, hey, you drafted injury from players. Not to Bill, but I'm just saying in general. Like, when you take Saquon this year and he gets hurt, like, are we still saying, like, bro, you got unlucky? 
You're right. You're right about that. And I think I think that's a part of the analysis you should always take into fantasy is like if this it's the okay, if this guy does well, will I be like, oh like how will I feel if this guy does poorly? Well I'll be like, shit, I should have known that this guy was gonna do bad or like if this guy does well, it's like, oh, you feel really smart. And with Saquon, it's like that same analysis, like if he sucks, I'm gonna feel like a total dipshit. It's like how did I get roped in again? You know, it's like I would rather take someone with less baggage if only for the reason that if they suck, I can still rely on the excuse of like, hey, I mean, he usually doesn't suck and this year he did. Whereas Saquon, it's like that excuse is gone because he's done it before, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. And I would, I would, yeah, I mean, I'm going to take the side of, you know, like basically no one who's, who, like a player hasn't burned someone before. It's, it's, an yes. easy, it's an easy pick, I think. 100% agree. Well, yeah, I mean, did you have anyone else? I mean, dude, we're we're coming out on an hour 20 here. We've really gone and gone on this. this... Oh, damn, really? Yeah, yeah, we really have. That's the whiskey, I guess. Yeah, I know. We got to on Saturday. I know. But but we got to is there anyone else that's speaking to you that you just have to get off your chest here? I don't think so, man. I think that's pretty much it. I think I've <laughs> rained on Saquon Barkley enough. Um, yeah, I feel you, dude. I think you get covered a, a decent bit of players. You get burned on someone. Mine is, oh, I kind of, I call them in my mind. So I had a really bad experience with Fireball. And now anytime that I smell it, I I have like a visceral reaction, kind of like a Pavlov's dog, but I just get really nauseous and lightheaded. And that, and like, so any of those players, like mine is OBJ. He's like my Fireball. Like I had such a bad experience with him. I will never draft him again. And the thing is, is he's had bad, ex- I just feel like when a bunch of fantasy owners have a bad experience with a player and it's just like, just don't take it. It's just not worth getting someone sloppy seconds, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, that Richard Mile on the field doesn't do do everything for you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, that was crazy. You wore that, like, million-dollar watch on the field. And, that like, that's, the, like, right, the, the, it's like the McGregor. Like, that's the phase of his, like, receiverness that he's in. Like, yes. yeah, I, I don't I don't take that kind of player. I want someone who's, like, ready to just come on to the league and come onto the scene and, and really blow up, but yeah, I'm completely with you there. I mean, everyone has a few players like that. Um, yep. But, but I think OBJ is definitely top one of the top ones. Yep. Well, my man, this has been great. I, I mean, this is we might have set a record here because I still got to record my intro. So we're. I'm really glad Ooh, we. Cool. I'm really glad we could uh, sit here and bullshit on a Saturday night. It's been a really fun, my man. Hey, absolutely. And you know, records are going to be second. Uh, <laughs> well, an hour 20 is long enough, but hey, the people who want to keep listening will keep listening. I know we'll have a few people. But at the end of the day, it's still fun just to shoot the shit about the NFL and what's coming up, and I'm excited to see everyone. Uh, I honestly I cannot wait. Um, there's a few things. I'm going back to Ohio in, in September for Will's wedding and uh, seeing everyone for the draft. So September is going to be an awesome month, though. So. Hope everyone has the rest of their summer until uh, September, and I'll see everyone uh, come Labor Day. So I'm excited. I think I'll probably get another few uh, content trains rolling here before the draft, as I'm sure you are. So looking forward to that, too. Looking Once you kick it off, Alex, my wheels get spinning, too. So I have a few ideas in the work as well. Yeah, and you always have great ideas. And Ian, one more thing I got to say. Did you um, – so we were talking about the uh, – the craps at the casino. Are you a craps player? Are you could you could you be my shepherd through that experience or not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I know how to play like 
for sure. Like, I have my strategy. Everyone has their own strategy. So, you know, if somebody teaches you how to play, they'll tell you to play certain bets. But I know what every bet on the table means and how you play the game. Perfect. Um, yeah, I actually went on a crazy run in Las Vegas on Uncraft on my Did you role. Really? Kind of fun. Uh, if you don't know the game, it, it doesn't really mean much. But I went through like six pass lines. Uh, like, I basically did a really good thing like six times in a row that paid for the table. So uh, it was a lot of fun. So, like, if, if that gets hot like that and if one of us throw on that dice, like, we, we would be going nuts. I think it's a. It's a hard game to win in. You've got it's it's a high capital game, so you have to put a lot of money down in order to earn back. So and there's a bust number, the seven. So it's like you, you'll learn about it, but basically, if you get a lot of sevens, you're out real quick because it's expensive to enter. Like seventy five bucks to get some real return, maybe sixty on the table. So if you bust two or three times quick, you're down one eighty and you're going home. But if people are rolling, like you could stay there all night. So. It, it, it's, it's even it's like an accentuated blackjack in that sense where blackjack's hot or cold but craft is like you're just putting more on the table higher to enter so it's even more like hey if you bust you're out quick but if you don't like the table's rolling all night which is like if, like you, I'm willing to put the money down to have that chance because if we can have a night like that in the league like it would be electric great yeah and I, I really do I'm really trying to like manifest that craps experience into the universe like i'm just i'm really trying i just the thought of all 12 of us on a friday night it's in the movies right yeah i mean it just it feels like we can we can pull this off we just need we can bring this into the universe i'm sure of it i sure hope so i nothing would make me happier honestly like i yeah, nothing. Like, honestly, at that point, the draft would be secondhand. Like, if everyone walked out, like, at least up 200 bucks, you know, and we took the table for at least, like, 1400 to two grand, like, that would just be such a... And that's, like, you know, the draft table pot is even more, but that would just... You know what I mean? Like, you're talking about that for the next, like, few months. Like, that would just be a good time. Agreed, so, yeah. You know, let's manifest it. I mean, it, you know, casinos are big for a reason, but I'm sure they're to try. Yep. People I, keep telling me it's the free money store, and then I don't get free money. So. That's a Chris Gertz staple. I love calling it the free money store. <laughs> Kills me every time he says it. Well, my man. I know, and then I keep getting con. I know, me too. But hey, it's been great chatting. I, uh, dude, so what are we at now? I guess we're at like 33 days? I think that's right. 33 days until, right? We're getting there the second, and it's the 31st. So yeah. Shout out to Bill. Shout out to Bill for getting that. Like, the, the, you know, the rides this year with the crazy car rental prices. So thanks, Bill, for getting that all figured out. Yep. Shout um, out to you, Bill. Thank you for doing that. Like, now it feels good. Like, we've got a plan. This is the most prepared we've ever been. Yeah. And the other thing, adult. too, I think, does someone have a Costco card? Some One of us, I think, Leslie has a card, so I could bring hers. I'm, I'm thinking that because there's a Costco around there, it, we could really do some damage and really be economic. This will be the first time I think we've hit a Costco before. Maybe, maybe not. Did we, we might've hit a Costco. I think we did in San Diego. Um, but either way, I think that this cabin needs to be decked out from the start. I agree. More. I think we should Just go like, really the big. The only time we leave the house is to the casino, basically. I agree. Um, it's a, the idea, I would assume. It's a paint. We always like undershoot the food. I think we need to send Bennett and Ian Kyle. I I go. I always undershoot. I think we need to send the big dogs and just you know if it's six hundred bucks, we always end up spending that anyway. And it's like let's just really try and like not go out to because we're gonna be kind of out there. So any run we make is gonna be a bitch. So it's like exactly. Let's just like when we're in Denver, go big. If we have more, we have more. 
But even if it's six hundred bucks, I think that's kind of nice. Yeah, I like, agree. Let's plan. Let's overplan before we get there, and let's have everything figured out so that when we get there, we don't have to worry about jack shit. We can just relax and have a good time. And I think that's what's gonna happen. So yeah, we'll definitely be on that. I think, Kamish, when you listen to this, uh, I'll be with you in the the morning so we can go. Perfect. We're we're getting there in the first group, so we'll definitely be there. Love it. Well, my man, this was an absolute blast. You have a great rest of your Saturday evening, and I'll I'll see you in 32 days. All right, bro. See you soon. Yep. Peace. Been fun. See you.